Sunday, everyone. Yeah! Something to celebrate. Uh, someone... Uh-oh. Take that man out. Uh, he doesn't belong, you know. A sinner. Um, so, uh, it's almost like a holiday. We take the Super Bowl so seriously. I mean, it's like we get excited about it, and we are fans of the specific team, um, the Kansas City Chiefs, and some the Eagles, evidently. Um, we are fans of this team. You know, Travis, uh, Noah explained it very well. We have a little Travis, you know, our son or our daughter doing things in their lives. And, and yet sometimes we focus more on the players in the NFL. Uh, so good that we need, to, we need to focus. We need to be fans on our children, fans of uh, no matter how big they are, our own, uh, own little ones who, uh, you know, depend on us every day. We need to be fans. And you know what? Even more importantly than that, we should role model um, the idea of being a fan of someone else in our family by our wives, uh, just men, speaking to you. There's a holiday coming up that's more important than Super, Soul, Super Bowl Sunday. It's Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's way more important than the Super Bowl. Uh, and I know you would argue with me, men, but your wives are sitting right next to you. So Valentine's Day is more important, and we have two days. That means, men, um, you better tomorrow figure out what your plan is to show your wife how much you love her. You have one day after tomorrow. If you don't have any ideas on how to show your wife how much you love her, um, don't ask me. I nailed it one year, but the rest of the years, I, I, failed, I, I failed miserably on a regular basis in that category. You could say that my performance in the spirit of Valentine's Day is pretty poor. And I realize this. I realize that I need the Lord's grace and mercy when it comes to being a good husband. Now, thankfully, and a good. <laughs> thankfully, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. The Lord has definitely blessed me with a powerful good wife, and it ain't because I deserve her. Now, we're working through a series called Serious Learning. Last week, we overviewed five of the major themes that Jesus focused on throughout his teaching. They are salvation, separation, steadfastness, suffering, and surrender. Jesus taught all of these things. And if you're curious as to where these are in Scripture and how Jesus taught them, then feel free to, uh, and, and if you weren't here to hear the message last week, you can um, go online and get that on our website or on our YouTube page to listen to that message. Um, if you want to learn about what Jesus taught, which we seriously do, we want to be serious about it, if we want to learn what he taught, then there's no better place to start than the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. One day... As he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Right there. The first 
thing that Jesus emphasizes in this teaching is that a person needs to realize their need for God. I mentioned a bit ago that I, I realized my need for God. Marriage is difficult enough the way it is. I cannot imagine what it would be like without the Lord. And my marriage is good. Now here's maybe a little bit better illustration of uh, God blessing those who are poor and realize their need for Him. One of the best examples of, of uh, this beatitude, which we call these beatitudes, these first few things that uh, Jesus teaches on the Sermon on the Mount, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. That's a beatitude. So um, a better example of this uh, first beatitude comes from the, a short story, Gospel of Luke, about a short man in the town of Jericho. Luke chapter 19. You can look it up in your Bible if you want, or I will tell it to you. Jesus. He entered a town called Jericho. And as he walks into this town, he realizes that uh, he's there for a reason. God doesn't do things without good reason. And so he's coming into this town. And in this town of Jericho, there's a, a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus needs something. But we'll find out it's not what he thought he needed. Now, what do we know about Zacchaeus, who lived in Jericho? Well, the scripture points out three specific things about Zacchaeus. Number one, he is a chief tax collector, not just a regular tax collector. He doesn't go there a nine-to-five regular job. No, he is a chief tax collector. That means he's in charge of other tax collectors. He's a manager of what's going on in this business. Here's another thing we know about him. He is very rich. Now, that's obvious when a fella is in charge of other people, and especially in the business of, of banking or of tax collecting or something like this, then he is going to be uh, rich, and Zacchaeus is very rich. Next thing we know is that he's too short. Too short. Now, the first two things um, tell us a little bit about um, who uh, Zacchaeus is in his living, that he has achieved tax collector, he's very rich, two things that will work against him. And the next thing, he can't help. He is just a short fella. And that can sometimes work against you in life, uh, but just physically. And, and of course, he finds ways to overcome them. So here, uh, a short, very rich chief uh, tax collector is in the town of Jericho. Uh, Jesus walks into town. Now, uh, Zacchaeus is a fella who I think was a good problem solver. I imagine that when Zacchaeus was young, perhaps he didn't have everything that he wanted. Maybe he didn't have the, the, the latest toy, or his family only had uh, one donkey to ride to town. They didn't have the convenience of having two. Um, and so Zacchaeus likely uh, wanted more. He's a problem solver. He identified the roadblocks. When you are poor, that means either that you don't bring enough money in or you spend too much money. Uh, and he started working at those problems. And he solved them, it would appear, from the text. He became rich. 
Now look at the things that he would have to do, the hurdles that he would have to overcome. We're talking school. To be a tax collector, you would probably have to get training for that. Oh, and the other obstacles to becoming a tax collector, you have to disregard your family and friends. So at this point, a tax collector uh, was a Jew, but the Jew that takes money extorts the other Jews. So none of his fellow Jews really cared for him. That's to say it politely. They despised the tax collectors. The Roman government hired a Jewish person who was able to betray his fellow Jews, but was smart enough and still enough in the community to know the Jews and get the money from them. This is Zacchaeus. Mm. He is ready to solve this problem. And he goes through all the hurdles, education, um, turning his back on his family, uh, getting the, the learning that he needed to do so that he could become a tax collector and make the money. He probably has got a really fine house. Now he has uh, four or five donkeys in his garage stable. And he is doing well in life solved that problem. Now he can afford whatever he wants. Something about <clears throat> this life of a rich tax collector, it doesn't fulfill him. It doesn't make him, it doesn't make him a successful part in the kingdom of God. Now why does the kingdom of God matter to him because he sure didn't consider it when he became a tax collector. Well, God has built into every single one of us this desire to worship something, and we will worship our money. We will worship our favorite team. We'll worship the fancy hot rod truck that we have. Oh, we'll, we'll worship things one way or the other. God created us that way. But he asks us to worship him first above everything else, to put him first. And Zacchaeus feels this. And so when he has everything he could possibly need financially, he still has a hole inside. He's still empty. How's he going to fill it? Well, he probably doesn't know. But he has heard, has heard that there is a man that they call the Messiah. And he probably remembers from when he was young, learning a little bit about the Jewish customs and the Jewish cultures and all the scripture cultures and all the scripture that he memorized, he learned that there would be a Messiah. And this Messiah would save folks from all the worldly things. And Zacchaeus was caught up with a lot of worldly things. Will this Messiah fill the hole that he has inside of him? Will it take him from empty to satisfied? Well, he didn't know, but he was ready to try something. The riches were not working for him. And so you know what he did? He heard that the Messiah was coming to Jericho. Here comes Jesus. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to go and see if I can get a look at this Messiah, to see what it's all about. 
when he got there, you know the story, there was a crowd. And that third thing that we know about Zacchaeus, he was short that prevented him from seeing very far. When you have a crowd of people, now I've never experienced that in my adult life, but I know that that could be a limiting factor when you want to see something that you want to see. And Zacchaeus must have really, really wanted to see Jesus. Because what did he do? He's a problem solver. And so he had a bunch of people right in front of him, and he knows how to solve his problems. And he knows that he has this hole inside of him. He is empty, and he's going to solve that problem. This time, the solution is far more simple, it would seem, than getting an education to be a tax collector, than turning your back on your family and your fellow Jews. This time, it starts with climbing a tree, getting higher, above the other people, above the obstacles that prevent you from seeing Jesus. So he ran ahead and climbed up that sycamore fig tree beside the road because Jesus was going to pass that way. Here's our little man, tax collector, laying aside his, his uh, status and climbing up a tree like a boy would. He's got to see this Messiah. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. Now, I like the, the fact that it doesn't say that Zacchaeus spotted Jesus. That's what he's after. He's looking for Jesus. I'm going to see him when he comes down this path. But the scripture doesn't say that. So we don't know if, if Jesus is kind of concealed by the, the crowd of people. And here he comes. And maybe Zacchaeus is just searching, trying to figure out what does this Jesus look like. He's searching. And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus, his name was being called. Jesus spotted him in the tree. You know what he said? He said, Zacchaeus, quick. Come down. I must be a guest in your house. Can you imagine what Zacchaeus must have been feeling like at that point in time? He's got this empty, empty hole and he wants it to be filled by the Messiah. And if he could just get a look at the Messiah, then maybe he'll have an idea of what people say about him. But the Messiah picks him out of the tree, calls him by name, knows his name, and what's more, he wants to come to Zacchaeus's house. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus is good at solving problems. So he got down that tree. Quickly, he climbed down that tree. And Jesus uh, took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy, the text says. Oh, he's got it now. He's got the Messiah, and he is coming to his house, and he is full of excitement. Oh, but there's people around. The people that see what's going on here, they don't like it. It's probably the same people that were standing in between Zacchaeus and Jesus in the crowd. The same people that caused... Zacchaeus to have to climb up the tree to see over top of them so that Jesus could spot him. And now they're saying, what? The Messiah eating with somebody like Zacchaeus? Now to remind you again that 
uh, a tax collector is in the same category as a prostitute. <coughs> Dirty, no good, scoundrels. They cheat people out of their money. So they would, uh, as long as the, the tax collector was getting the money to the Roman government, the Roman government didn't care what else they did. And so it was an, a, a good example or a good situation for the tax collector just to add on a little bit extra to each person's bill and then get really, really rich. Ah, dirty, rotten, scoundrel tax collectors. Why is the Messiah talking to a tax collector? Why is he eating with him in his home? This shouldn't be done. The people grumbled and groaned. He's a notor notorious sinner, this Zacchaeus. You know what Zacchaeus is doing, though, at this point? After he has Jesus at his house, he stands before the Lord. Everybody around him saying, why does he eat with sinners? And Zacchaeus, he does not care what they're saying. He says above them, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Oh, the transition that takes place here. He stood before the Lord and spoke to the Lord about the people around him. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to speak and save those who are lost. Now, why does Jesus say he's a true son of Abraham? Those people were grumbling, who didn't like the idea of Jesus um, eating with a, a person who was supposedly a Jew, but he was cheating the Jew, Jews. They consider themselves um, sons of Abraham. But Jesus calls Zacchaeus a true son of Abraham? Mm. Him's fighting words. It had to be tough for them but Jesus is teaching something. After all, that's what we're studying today. Serious learning, and we're going to learn what teach, uh, Jesus teaches. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek those who are lost. Now let's review four important points of the story of Zacchaeus. Four important points. The first one is the recognition. There is a need here. Now, when I first got married, actually a little bit before I got married, boy, I thought I had her under control. Uh, not my wife, but the whole idea of marriage. Um, it was just, you know, when you're young and strong and you just got it under control, and boy, I can take care of my wife, I can take care of my family, I got a good job and I got a, a piece of ground and uh, I'll just take care of everything. Well, uh, what I didn't recognize is that having a family requires a lot of emotional care and a lot of spiritual care. I didn't know how to emotionally take care of myself as a young man. And here I was having to lead a family. And it wasn't too long that I recognized my need for leading by God. Now Zacchaeus recognized that he didn't have what it takes to be spiritually whole. Now 
looked like he had everything it took to be uh, whole in the world with all the money and stuff that he had, but he did not have what it took to be spiritually whole, and he recognized this, that he was empty. He recognized his poverty. Remember the, the uh, Beatitude, Jesus blesses those who are poor. Interesting that word is used, and here Zacchaeus realizes his poverty. But it wasn't his pockets that were empty. It was his soul. He needed something to fill him. He recognized that he wasn't getting anywhere in life. Oh, he had the money. He had the stuff. But that don't mean nothing, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. Our application for this point, the recognition, is that we need to assess ourselves. We need to recognize our need for God. A verse from the Old Testament, Lamentation chapter 3, verse 40, says this, Instead, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Test and examine our ways. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, puts it this way, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Examine yourselves. Ah, every day, folks. Every day, everything we do, um, everything we hear and see, and all of our actions and thoughts, we should be examining them. See where our faith plays into them. Test ourselves. You know, Jesus is always among us. Uh, Jesus sees us no matter what we are doing. And sometimes we play like he doesn't. That's just simply not the case. We must recognize our need for him. We can't get to heaven on our own. Now, the second important point of the story of Zacchaeus is the command. The command. Uh, a while back in October, I believe it was, uh, the, the Lord had called me to go to a festival called Neowala. And it's not like I, I hear God calling me to do things all the time, but this specifically had been a, a pulling at me for several years, and I had never been there, so I went down there and, there was a crowd of people, like people everywhere. And if Jesus was there, I would have had to climb to the top of a tree to see Jesus. But there were people, and I didn't know what the Lord wanted me to do there. And so at some point, I just stood there thinking, God, why am I here? Thousands of people, I don't know which ones need me to uh, speak to them or help them out. And all of a sudden, I started hearing my name. I heard my name, Chase, Chase, Chase. And I thought, is, is that God calling me? Maybe this is going to be easier than what I thought. And it wasn't God's voice specifically from him. I finally shook my head and realized there's a fellow right over there calling my name. And it's a guy that I knew from a long time ago. And I, I couldn't recognize him. I 
But uh, I went up to him. Because I, at first, I thought maybe one of his kids was named Chase, and they're running around here. But no, he was talking to me. And so I went to him, and uh, he told me, hey, you remember me? I was like, I don't, but tell me. And then uh, once he told me his name, I, I recognized him and uh, had a good conversation with him. Uh, called my name. The command. You know, Zacchaeus, Jesus called him by name from that tree. Specifically called him by name. Quick, come down, Zacchaeus. We're going to your house. To your house to eat. I like that Jesus goes to, to Zacchaeus' place. Here, here's a house that was probably bought with money that was unrightfully taken from God's people. And Jesus walks in there, and he transforms it into a place of salvation. The text said, salvation has come to this home today. That's what Jesus said. Salvation has come to this home today. And I don't think Zacchaeus ever planned on his house being a place that was for salvation, a holy place, but Jesus transformed it into that. You know what Zacchaeus had to do? He had to humble himself. Jesus called him, come down quickly and let's go. And Jesus told him what he needed to do. That was after he climbed the tree, to, after Zacchaeus climbed the tree. He had to humble himself to climb that tree. And he had to humble himself uh, to take orders from a person who didn't have a home. Scripture says Jesus doesn't have a place to, to lay his head. And uh, Zacchaeus has got a big old fine house. But he humbled himself and he listened to this guy. He listened to him. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as a friend. These letters are read in your Bible probably. They're, they are words of Jesus. He is standing at the door knocking. Do you hear his voice? Open the door because he will come in. And he wants to share a meal together. The application for this is we must humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Romans chapter three, verse chapter twelve, verse three says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Don't think that you are better. You really are. The command is, follow me. Now, the third uh, important point from this story is the exchange. This is when you see Zacchaeus make a turn. Do you remember last week when we were talking about the uh, repentance. It is a turning away from your previous life, a turning away from the sin or the things that distract you. You're not going to go just on a little bit different path. 
than the sin that pulled you aside to distract you before. You're going to turn away from it, opposite way, and go the other way. Um, Zacchaeus uh, does that. He commits to making right what he has done wrong when he decides that he will pay back four times. Pay back the money that he cheated and uh, four times, and he gives his money to the poor. Now, making right what we have done wrong, can we really do that? Not, not totally. It's only by the blood of Jesus that we can be made right. Now, if you've hurt someone, or if you've offended someone, you need to apologize. If you've cheated someone, you need to pay them back. But there's no guarantee that they will forgive you. And there's no guarantee that all will be right with you and them after that. The thing is, though, when you make things right by paying someone back or apologizing, when you make things right, you are letting go of that which ties you to the world. Letting it go, the thing that pulls you to the world. Turning loose of things that pull you down. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The answer to that question that Jesus asked is an absolute no. Nothing on this world is worth more than your soul or anyone else's soul. We are trading worldly wealth for the kingdom of God, trading great greed for grace. We should be in the habit of the exchange. This is what Zacchaeus does. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Man, if there is something that we realize will save our souls, if there is something that is so valuable, why wouldn't we do everything we could to get that? And there is. And Jesus taught that. There is something that will save our souls Saving grace. Zacchaeus, the money didn't matter to him anymore. All is well. I can't imagine how much he had saved up. Evidently, it was a lot if he could give money to the poor and then pay everyone he cheated back times four. He evidently had a lot of money. But it wasn't worth anything to him compared to the kingdom of God. It didn't matter. He was going to going to get the kingdom of God. He had discovered the kingdom of God. And Jesus gave him citizenship to the kingdom of God. And then Zacchaeus was kingdom loyal. Everything he owned at that point was worthless compared to heaven. He belonged 
the kingdom of God. So everything that was under his control was used for the kingdom of God. That had to be a big statement to the people that he paid back. Here this man is that took our money and had cheated us. And now this man, Jesus, whom came to his house, must have influenced him in such a way that he's turned his back on all the evil and he's paying us back. He traded greed for grace. And that equaled his salvation. Now the first, fourth important point, the lesson. Be careful not to judge who is and who is not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. And I say be careful as in probably just don't even do it. We don't know who is worthy because uh, God calls everyone to himself. It's not our job to pick who is worthy of the kingdom of God. Another time when Jesus was eating with tax collectors uh, comes from Matthew chapter 9. And verse 9 says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew. This is the same fellow that wrote our gospel. Saw Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now, there must have been something dull about being a tax collector, uh, sitting in his little booth um, all day long looking through numbers. And, and maybe some of you, <clears throat> you guys get excited about the number thing. <clears throat> I wouldn't, though. It would be, like, super boring. And I think that probably um, these guys were super bored, too, because uh, in both accounts, you know, Jesus said uh, to, to, to Zacchaeus, come down quickly from the tree. Zacchaeus was in, in the, uh, he was a tax collector, but yet quickly he came down and followed Jesus, just instantly. Jesus comes up on Matthew. Matthew's on the job in his tax collector booth, and he says, um, come and uh, follow him, be my disciple. And Matthew got up right then and followed him. Just left it all just like that. There must have been something um, really good about Jesus and maybe something dull about being a tax collector. Verse 10, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Disreputable. But then the Pharisees saw this. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Ouch. Yikes. Tax collectors, again, they're, they're no good. They're viewed pretty lowly here. Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The house of God, the kingdom of God, is not made for perfect people. It's made for sinners who recognize their need for Him. 
and he makes them righteous. Mm. Just like a healthy person doesn't go to the doctor, it's the same as our Lord's love for us sinners. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Do you realize your need for him? Are you obeying Jesus' commands? Come down, Zacchaeus. Follow me, Matthew. Are you surrendering everything you have to Jesus for the kingdom of heaven? If the answer to that question is no, then why not start today? Why not decide today, Super Bowl Sunday, two days before Valentine's Day, that you are going to follow the Lord and everything He tells you to do? That you're going to love your wife and your family? That you're going to put aside all of your riches or any little thing that prevents you from getting to Jesus and follow Him? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much that you have brought everyone here this Sunday for a reason, God, and that you love us all. Lord, none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes all day long, Lord. We do wrong things. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of those things. Lord, we want to repent of those things and turn the other way, God. Turn towards you. Lord Jesus, I thank you of the story of Zacchaeus, that he was uh, a man who was of great stature in his wealth, but of small stature physically. But Lord, the, the stature that mattered most happened after you met him, Jesus. You met him. He put his faith in you. Then he was over and on top of the world because he was part of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you will go with all of us now. Give us the boldness to be your soldiers and to live out your will. In your name.